Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Rays get blasted by the Nationals 11-2. They finish what was a brutal road trip, losing six in a row after winning their first three in Oakland. But finally, finally help is on the way. First baseman Jake Bowers is on his way up. Could this be the start of the young call-ups for the Rays? And the Bucks resume OTAs this week. I'll be at One Buck Place Thursday. We'll tell you what we'll be looking for there. And over the next few weeks, you're going to hear from Booger McFarland. Remember, he won a Super Bowl with the Bucks and the Colts. And just three and a half years after he began a broadcasting career here in Tampa, he's part of the new Monday Night Football crew. Unbelievable story. You'll hear from him in the next few weeks. But tonight... We get some of his thoughts on some current topics with Booger McFarland. So all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Bursnick, our producer. And before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sports day. That's all you got to do. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. So, Steve, in just a minute, we're going to play a portion of my interview uh, with Booger McFarlane, and we'll do this uh, over the next few weeks, too, in in more detail. Um, a, A meteoric rise in his broadcasting career. If you remember, Steve, when we sat down about seven years ago and you were uh, deciding on uh, maybe some potential people to hire for the morning show at WDAE, you asked me two questions. You said, if you did a show with somebody who was a, a current athlete or a former athlete, who would it be? And I said, Borger McFarland. Yes, you did. And then uh, you said, okay, so uh, um, if you did it with a writer, who would it be? And I said, Tom Jones. May I just say that my career would be much better off had you chose Booger McFarlane <laughs> instead of Tom Jones? Yeah, but he would have left you a long time ago, and like Tom would just left you a couple months ago. <laughs> well, maybe I'd have gone with him to ESPN. Uh, maybe well. it would have been a package deal. <laughs> but then you all left me, and then I'd have been screwed. That's right, but I'd been much further down the road. I had to carry Tom like an anchor. You know how that went. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Tom and I did very well together, and he's my partner. I love him, but uh, Booger McFarlane, I, I had an eye for talent. And obviously so did you, but uh, he's done great. So we're going to profile Booger, his career, his rapid rise at ESPN over the next few weeks. Uh, You won't want to miss that. But tonight we'll get his take on what's been a current topic uh, about players and social causes and the national anthem. So we'll do that in just a few minutes. But let's talk about the Rays now. Um, First of all, they wrap up this road road trip. Not good. Johnny Venters, uh, not very good as the opener on Wednesday. By the way, it was his first start of his major league career might be a reason why he didn't do so well. Um, they got off. They, it got off to a horrible start. He allows five of the first six batters to reach, gives up three hits, walks a couple. And by the time he left, the three runs were already in two others were going to come in. They're going to be charged to him. So five to nothing first inning hole. They had no chance of getting out of that one. And it kind of got um, the same or worse, I guess, after that. 
Um, but you know, it, it's just been a brutal, uh, a brutal road trip after it started so promising. I mean, you know, they win three in a row to start their road trip in Oakland. That 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 was a total of six in a row at that point, and and now or five in a row, I guess. And now they've lost six straight, and uh, they didn't do much on the offense either. Off of uh, Tanner Rourke, he wasn't very good. Brad Miller had three hits, and C.J. Crone uh, went yard. That was his 13th, uh, which is just, by the way, C.J. Crone now, that's 16 is his career high. He's got 13 already this season. Um, so you've talked about, Steve, that that stretch of 40 games in 41 days. Well, now they're they're on a 13-13 and 13 run. Um, so it's not very good. And they got uh, – they got what they're in the middle of 25 of 28 against playoff teams and they've started at 0 and 5. That's correct. And Seattle comes in who just swept them. So now Seattle mm-hmm. comes in for four games and you didn't yep. you didn't play especially you didn't hit very well against them at Safeco Field. Um you're no. hoping home cooking can help get you back to, you know, a respectable offensive bed, levels. Feel a yeah. Better. yeah. But yeah. help as yeah. you said help is on the way. And Brad Miller most likely out who had three hits again today. Um, mostly out because of his glove more than yeah, anything. No. But uh, Rays have to make a corresponding roster move on Thursday to make room for Jake mm. Bauer. So Brad Miller could either be uh, cut, traded, or sent to the minors. That's correct. And and my guess is, um, well, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to him. I mean, I suppose maybe somebody wants him, but he's been a disappointment. But Bauer's, this is the first – I mean, they've had a couple guys up, obviously, already, but um, – Maybe this begins what will what will continue a trend. You know, he wasn't in the lineup, I guess, and Mark Tompkin wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times. Yeah, cool story so how he found out. Yeah, Wednesday he wasn't in the lineup for Durham, and he kind of, he kind of wanted to know why. And Jared Sandberg, I guess, had said, well, we're giving you a day off, but you'll be back tomorrow, meaning uh, Thursday. Yeah. And back tomorrow in left field, which play is left where field. he's been dabbling. Yeah, he, he does a little bit of left field. He's usually at first, but sometimes they'll play him in left and they'll switch it up a little bit. And then it was like – and that was the plan. I mean, Sandberg was not kidding. I mean, that was what they planned to do was give him a day off and then play him in left field. And then less than uh, 20 minutes later, I guess Sandberg gets a call from the Rays and they say, hey, we're bringing Bowers up to the big club. So he gets Bowers back in his office again, only this time he's got his coaches with him. And then he says, uh, he tells him, well, you know, we were wrong. You're not going to play left field after all for us. And now Bowers doesn't know what the hell's going on, right? Now he's just completely confused. And uh, But then he told him, you know, well, you're going, you're going to the bigs, big guy. And uh, so he had to be – he had to just be thrilled but also sort of like, what the hell, you know, <laughs> because the drama happened before the drama. You know, it's like he was already kind of like weirded out by the whole day off play left field thing. And then it turns out that um, there was something up, um, and and of course now he's coming up here. So you're right, Miller. Miller's Miller's glove has been a liability. The guy's, you know, he's making four and a half million dollars, but there's absolutely nowhere you can play him where he can't hurt you. And you know, if not for that 30 homer season in 2016, you wonder if the Rays would have made that investment, right? Um, because he is so so completely one dimensional, um, but. You know, he even had uh, another – he had a base running blunder. I mean, these guys can't run the bases at all. But, I mean, a guy ends up, you know, getting getting out on the bases and getting doubled off on a, in a game you're losing 11-2. to two. Um, But when you look at the guys, you know, that are already here, I mean, this is the beginning now 
of this core. I mean, Robertson obviously made the team this year, and he's been very consistent. You've seen, you know, Christian Arroyo um, the last month um, sort of playing, kind of spot playing a little bit. Uh, today uh, was the, the the debut of Diego Castillo, who was lights out for he the could throw some gas. he pitched. Oh, my gosh. And does it without – you know, like we used to say there's maximum arm thrower, like there's maximum effort guys that you know when they're trying to hump up to, you know, mid-90s. Like you see the extra effort in, in, in them trying – this the ball explodes out of this guy's hand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just unreal. I mean, his slider is in the mid nineties, um, and, and then and some uh, great movement too, some backwards movement. Oh, even, yeah, you know that that yeah. it's very hard for hitters to hit. Just a live arm. I mean, just a live arm. Guys like that are just they're really hard to time up, and and, and even if you do time them up, like you said, there's so much movement on everything he throws. He doesn't throw anything really straight. You know what I mean? Um, and so now you got Bowers coming up. Uh, Adames has been up here. You expect he's probably going to come soon. So you know, all of a sudden, you're you're starting to see the sprinkling of uh, of these new guys. And I think I think it's time. Look, they we don't know what the Rays are going to be, but they're probably more like this group right now than they were. You know, the team that went on a big run after that horrible start. Their problem is 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 as we talked about the other night when they run up against really good pitching. Um, it takes you know big hits to drive in runs. They'll get some hits, but they've not been able to handle the Red Sox staff. And of course, you know Max Scherzer just is dominating everybody. But he he was lights out the you know the day before, and and you know it's it's hard for them to score runs most nights. And if they don't pitch well, um, obviously they're going to lose anyway because that's sort of the way they build on pitching and defense. So um, I, I think it's time. You know I think it'll add some infuse some uh some energy and uh and and really you know in the case of Bowers they said you know and Kevin Cash talked about this he says you know he's done he's done everything he can do you know I mean a couple years ago he was what like the MVP in double a and um you know last year was maybe a little bit of a down year for him in triple a but then you know he had a great spring training and so he might have had trouble handling you know being being doing so well and then having to go back down this year they say it's been a completely different attitude like when he went down this year um you know he just worked and worked and got better and better and and you know did everything he could to uh um you know to improve his game so um i'm looking forward to seeing the guy play i mean obviously they still got cj crone that can uh that's that can play first base and dh um but you know jake has played a little bit of left field so I would think, like we've talked about before, Steve, when you bring up a Jake Bowers, he's only 22 years old, but you're bringing him up to play him, right? Oh, absolutely. You do not. You, you're you're only going to stunt his growth if you bring him up here to sit the bench and pinch hit two or three times a week and get one start. That's that's not doesn't help him. Um, he needs to play five, six games a week. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe four, depending on matchups. But um, you know, he needs to play. He needs to get experience. He's gonna he's gonna do some great things. He's gonna make some some bad outs and. And, you know, maybe even an error or two in the field, but that's how he's going to learn and grow. Yeah, and he's a first baseman by trade. And, I mean, I think that's where they'll play him the most, obviously. Um, we mentioned he's done some dabbling in the outfield, but that's not really what he is. Down in AAA, in case you're wondering how he's done this year, he's uh, hit two seventy nine with five home runs, uh, 24 RBIs, and that's just in uh, 52 games. So um, a seven eighty four OPS. So, I mean, he's been fairly productive. And I think he's a guy too, Steve. That they think um, 
the the longer he he stay he's still because he's so young he's going to get stronger he's going to become a, an even better hitter but the power is going to go up i mean i think they think this guy um you know can learn how to drive the ball consistently and and maybe be a 30 home run guy yeah, I don't know about every year for him as a 30 home run guy, but can, you know, hit there a few years, be in the, you know, mid 20s, you know, low to mm-hmm. mid 20s most seasons and, you know, play good first base defensively. And that's exactly what the Rays are looking for out of him. And that's his calling card, his defense. I mean, if you, if you said, well, what was he do now, right? You know, the best, they say it's, it's his glove. And God knows with the butchering they've had at first base with Miller, um, you know, Crone's done okay, obviously, but. Still in all, it's just been it's been an adventure out there. I mean, we saw the other night, you know, drops a throw on a bunt, and uh, you know that that wound up costing him a comeback. Um, they ended up losing uh, when they were up one to nothing. So, um, yeah. So I think it's time. I think it's going to be. I think if you're a Rays fan and you're looking for a reason to uh, to stick with his baseball team, I mean, obviously they got to break this six game road or losing streak. Because, you know, if that turns into 10, I mean, you know, you fall so far out of it that, that no one's even paying attention to you by mid-June. That's not where you want to be. But this was always the plan, um, you know, when they get more control of these guys. Uh, so, you know, we're going to we're gonna see him. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Well, no, it's, it's going to be – look, I mean, this team, if you're not going to make the playoffs this year, and, you know, they still could, but it's looking more and more like when they face the good teams, they can't win at this point. So right. if you're not going to make the playoffs, let's start playing the younger guys that are ready to be up here. You know, you don't want to rush a guy and, and bring him up too soon just to bring him up. Hurt their confidence and all that. Exactly. Yeah. But if they're ready to be brought up. And the shame of it is is that we're not going to see Anthony Bond anymore this year. We're not seeing Brett Honeywell. Um, some right. of these pitchers, too, that we had hoped were going to be part of this young nucleus and will be for, you know, for years to come. Now, you know, Honeywell may be back late next year. Bond is going to be 2020 at this point. But with Bowers and Adamas and – um, you know, Christian Arroyo and, and you already have Daniel Robertson up here and Johnny field. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're hoping that you, you, you finally got, you know, one of the things, you know, and I've talked about for years, and obviously we haven't had a podcast that long, but the Rays have done a tremendous job over the years of cultivating pitching, scouting yes. it, finding it, grooming it, bringing it to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. They have not done a good job of hitting of hitters. No, of finding Position hitters. players is not their deal. I mean, outside of Evan Longoria. Kevin Kiermaier, who's 33rd well, round but, pick. But I don't consider him a great offensive. He's a tremendous defensive player. The best center no, but fielder it, it, in baseball. Yeah, but he's not been a good hitter, but at least he's a position player. A position like, player, but, but I'm saying they're not developing hitters. No. You, know, you see the no. Yankees start developing, you know, Aaron Judge and Torres and Sanchez. You know, and, yeah, yeah, they just, you know, player after player, they develop. The Rays have not yep. done as well of a job of that. Now. Whether that's they're, they're well, you got to draft them first. Well, there's there's it's one of two things that either affect it, either yeah. their coaching in the minor leagues isn't good enough, or they're Perhaps. not they're not drafting or scouting the right types of players. Now, yeah, based on some of these current crops and a lot of these guys they've traded for over the years, um, you know, Bowers was part of the Will Myers trade. Yeah, he was. Um, they got Stevens, who's a junior, and uh, Jake Bowers back for that, but. Not bad. But they're, but now you can see that when they've got better talent in their minor leagues, they're actually grooming better hitters and offensive players. So it leads me to believe they weren't doing a great job scouting or drafting years ago. And it looks like they've gotten better. You know, their coaching in the minor leagues is better or is doing well. So you're, you're well, excited about this. I mean, you know, they won, the, they won the championship in Durham last year and the year before yeah, they had they double talent. A. And, yeah, they've got talent now. And so as a fan – 
if, if you don't have the big payroll, which the Rays don't, and they're always looking for bargains or you know players that Wilson Ramos who, okay, he's got a hurt knee, he's going to miss some time, but we're going to sign him to two years to take a chance. Johnny Venters, et cetera. And that's great that the Rays do that, and they do a pretty good job of it. But they have to do it. But it's exciting now to be actually excited about players coming up that aren't pitchers. Right. We've always had that pipeline of pitchers we're excited about. We don't have the hitters. And now we actually do have offensive players that you're excited. Daniel Robertson's doing you know, better than most people ever thought. And they don't re- people forget he was a second-round draft pick. You know, people don't realize that, but he was always, you know, he was always a a good, yeah, yeah, he's a very good ball player. Mm -hmm. Willie Adamas, Christian Arroyo, Jake Bowers, you know, all these players. It's exciting to know that there is a future coming. And, you know, this team, and that's how this team can sustain for longer stretches. It can't just be trying to find one-year players every year. And that's how you're going to sustain. That's a nice. The Corey Dickerson's and the Morris's and those kind of guys are just here for a year, maybe two. Um, that's great to fill in some holes when you you know you have a need or an injury or something that you need to do that that's not how you want you know it's like the nfl if you're building your team through free agency you've done it wrong you're you're gonna lose and you've done it wrong it's usually what happens when a new coach comes in is that it's a bad team that's why the other coach got fired lovey smith is an example of that you know he comes in and and they it was it was necessity they didn't have anybody you know that either fit his scheme or they haven't drafted well and so you had to go out and, and buy a bunch of other free agents. And, you know, ultimately you can't win that way. You're just trying to line up. So, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, free agency is to fill holes. Exactly. There's usually it's a reason, augment. generally, there, there are exceptions, but generally there's a reason someone became a free agent. Oh, yeah, no question. We always say this. You, you, you not only buy the free agent, you buy the reason, the problems, why they're out there. Um, because if they if they had everything, a team wouldn't let them become free agents. So, but drafting and developing, I I lean on the draft part of it. I I think, you know, yeah, does it 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 does matter if you have the right coaching and the right philosophy and all that in the right system to develop players. There's no question. Probably more so in baseball than a lot of sports. Um, the Lightning do an unbelievable job of that in in hockey. Clearly, I mean they their guys are are they they define good talent. But more than that. These guys come up and they're playing at 19 years old at, at the NHL level and they're terrific and they're winning championships all the way up. Um, but, you know, I I still think they just didn't do a very good job of drafting. I mean, remember that year? What was it, that one year they had like 2011, round picks? 2000, they had 10 picks yeah. in the first 60 or 70 picks. It's incredible. I, it's the only draft they ever covered for because the, there were yeah. so damn many of them. I had to help out with the Tampa Bay yeah. Times. And Blake Snell and Jake Freer are the only two from that class That's that are going to do anything man. with them. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, if you remember at the end of 2010, they signed a bunch of free agents in August and September, players that were cut. Right. They signed a bunch of them that put on the 40-man roster in September because you can carry unlimited roster. They signed them. It was cheap. They were, you know, and and they got compensatory draft picks for it because that draft was so loaded. Everyone, Mm -hmm. that was the most loaded Major League Baseball draft in years. And if you had a veteran free agent that you lost at the end of the year to free agency, you got a compensatory pick. So they signed a bunch right. in August, September, and didn't do very much with them. No, no, they didn't. And so now is the time. Now should be their time. And it's going to take a couple of years for these guys to really make an impact on the at the major league level. But that's sort of the what well, was the evolution, you know, kind of back in the 08 um, run that they had to the World Series and then four out of six years uh, making the postseason. So you should be excited if you're a Rays fan. You get to see some young guys. I think Bowers will just be the start of it and then – like I said, Adamas has been up here a little He's bit He's not going to be far behind. I mean, they they got to no. figure out where they're going to play him. I mean, the hard part is Joey Wendell and, and Daniel Robertson and Matt Duffy are all doing very well in the infield. 
And then you have Hechevarria. I mean, is we're waiting to take him off the DL, right? Yeah, I mean, he'll come off the deal. My guess is he'll be traded by before the trade mm-hmm. deadline. Um, I, I, you know, especially the way that Daniel Robertson and Joey Wendell and, and Duffy are playing, and then you want to get Adamas up here. There's really no need to have Echeverry anymore. As great as he is defensively, and he is tremendous, a, tr- a tremendous yeah. defensive shortstop, the best one the Rays have and, ever had. And he'll help somebody. And like mm-hmm. I said, Diego Castillo was here today. He was really impressive. Another just electric arm that, like you said, will be the closer. So. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But they need to. They need to start winning ball games again. And and uh, they get Seattle, who's you know red hot right now and and leading the National League West. So American who would have predicted West. that American League West. I'm sorry, who would have predicted that? Um, and I, like I said, I still can't believe it's been as long as. And all this with Robinson Cano suspended. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Which is why they had some money, I guess, to go get who they got from the Rays, mm-hmm. right? Denard Span. Yeah, to get Denard Span and, and Alex, Alex Colomay. Yep. Because they were able to free up that money. So we'll be talking more Rays baseball this week, but, um, you know, a big call up for the Rays with uh, with Jake Bowers. Before we get to uh, Booger McFarlane, um, I, I wanted to, you know, I got some pushback, <laughs> which is not surprising. Anytime you say Jameis and Winston together, people always have an opinion about what you're talking about. And I'll be out at OTAs. I, I saw Jameis last Friday. We We have a professional working relationship, and we're both okay with each other, I think. We understand where we're where we're all coming from. I cover the team; he quarterbacks. It's it's pretty simple, right? Um, and again, I, I always say this: people don't believe you. It's like when you've done it as long as I have, you don't really have a dog in the race. You you cover, you kind of write the story. Other people decide whether they win or lose, and you write about it. Well, in James's case, you know, I, we were asked a question in the mailbag the other day, uh, yesterday in, in the podcast about. Uh, and the question was phrased pretty much this way, like, do you think Jameis Winston will be suspended? Now, within that question, there is no inherent assumption of guilt or innocence. This is not, that was not the question. The question was not, do you believe Jameis did something inappropriate or not? Or do you believe the accuser or him? That, that was not even, that's not even the question. The question was, do you think he will be suspended? And I have said, been pretty consistent about this, I don't think it's a shock that I do believe that there's a very good likelihood, I don't know, okay, a good likelihood, I don't know, very good likelihood, there's a likelihood, if you follow the NFL as I have, um, that when they get to these penalty phases, the league always seems to find a way to suspend these guys for something. And, you know, there is no, there's been no, uh, you know, criminal complaint, there's been no civil suit, all those things are true, which makes this just a very weird case even for the NFL because generally, um, you know, there's some due process that's already begun at a legal or civil level. And what I mean by that is there's depositions, there's the chance to face your accuser with your attorneys, all that stuff. This is not the case. There's no action anywhere. And so we really don't know what happened. Um, it is, it seems to be for all the world a he said, she said, but borrowing again on what the league has done with discipline, 
and the sort of charge and allegation that it is, which is very serious. It's not about whether I believe Jameis or I believe somebody else. It's just that they got Tom Brady for smashing a cell phone. I'll say it again. Um, they, they concluded he more likely than not. That is not the same burden of proof of reasonable doubt. We're not in a, we're not in a trial here. It's not a court case. I'm not making judgment. Um, you know, the NFL and Roger Goodell, by proxy as commissioner, is, you know, the attorney for both sides and the judge and the investigator and, and gets to decide not only which, which weight to put in terms of believability, but, you know, just also the penalty phase, if, if any. So that's what I was trying to explain. Somebody said to me, um, that, you know, you owe Jameis an apology. I, I don't know what I'm apologizing for. I mean, if I, if I somehow came off as saying I don't believe him, then I apologize for that. But that's not – I never said that. I've never said Jameis' story doesn't add up or Jameis isn't telling the truth. I don't know the truth. I have no clue, right? So – and I don't think anybody does unless you were involved, you know, in that incident. And certainly Ronald Darby – has an opinion, and maybe the the uh, person who made the allegations has another opinion. Somewhere in there, they'll they'll look for the truth. It doesn't mean they'll find it. Um, so we'll see what happens, and that's that's really where we're at. I mean, but if you're asking me an opinion, my opinion is that he's he could, or I think he's going to to, to face some kind of sanction, um, whether that's a game. Maybe it's a fine, but I, I tend to tend to lean the other way. So I just wanted to be clear that if, if, if other people took it as me saying, I don't believe Jameis and therefore he's going to be suspended, that was never my intent. I, I legitimately, you know, that's that wasn't the question. That wasn't the question I answered. So hopefully that straightens it out a little bit and uh, and people understand where I'm coming from. So I had a chance to uh, sit down with Booger McFarland. We were at uh, Avila Country Club, and I spent uh, probably about an hour and a half with him. And the goal is that, and this will come in the future, and we'll figure out just how to split this up. It's, it's going to be obviously a pretty long interview. But I, look, he's always been a fascinating player. If you remember, um, or if you're new to this area, he was a guy that played football at LSU. He's from Winsboro, Louisiana. Um, you know, uh, grew in a single-parent household, the whole deal. Uh, drafted in the first round while Warren Sapp was sort of in his prime. Um, but he was, he was picked as, you know, was again, the guy that was supposed to be the next Warren Sapp, except that he played with Sapp and they both kind of are the guys that play the same position at three techniques. So then Booger had to play nose tackle and get beat up a little bit. And any, in any event, won a Super Bowl with the Bucks. ended up, Many years later, and he didn't get to play in the Super Bowl because he got hurt late in that season. And it broke his heart. Later played in the Super Bowl and won it with Tony Dungy, uh, which was unique since Dungy was fired and wasn't part of the Bucks Super Bowl. Um, so he's had an unbelievable career. Then he, then he was basically retired for three years until he got into radio, 98.7 The Fan, decided to do that. So we get into all these sort of particulars and kind of the ascent, the rapid ascent of his career now He's going to be the field reporter on Monday Night Football. They've never had one before. Um, but basically, it's Joe Testator, um, Jason Witten, and, and Booger is now part of that crew. Um, so I had a chance to talk to him about all of that. And we'll play, um, we'll break up those interviews about his career and then and in his pursuit in, in the broadcasting end, um, which is really a, just a great story. Um, but in the meantime, I had a chance to ask him about 
you know, some things that are going on around here, current events, that sort of thing. And, and we'll sprinkle those in over the next week or so about USF's future um, since he, you know, was responsible for covering college football and game day and the SEC network before that. Um, also, you know, talked about the Bucks, talked about Jameis Winston, expectations for him. But more topically, and we talked about this a little bit the other day, is this whole na- national anthem thing. We know that the, the president, you know, uninvited or disinvited, however you would say it, the Philadelphia Eagles wasn't a big contingent coming. Um, but there's been constant, constant talk about players using their platform to protest and how they do it, and the league's now come up with a new policy and all those things. And for a guy that played nine seasons in the NFL and is a very thoughtful guy, I thought he would have an interesting take on this subject, and he didn't disappoint me. Here's what Booger McFarlane had to say. I think the biggest problem is we don't respect each other's opinion. All right? I like my steaks well done. How do you like yours? Medium rare. Medium rare. All right? We can have that conversation and move on. Nobody ever think anything about it. We both like steak. We both like steak, but you just like yours cooked in an entirely different way than I like mine. There's, there's been a respect loss for each other's opinion. When you think about the national anthem and you think about whether to stand to kneel, to stay in the locker room to not, it's an opinion that each of us have as players. Well, why can't we respect, my, respect each other's opinion? Why? Because I do something. Now you have to say X, Y, Z behind it. I didn't say that about your state. You didn't say that about my state. So the problem in this country is really simple. It has nothing to do with the subject matter. You can insert whatever subject you want to. There's no respect for each other's opinion anymore. And a lot of that's exacerbated by the guy that's in office. Um, And we have to respect the office. Like that office means something in this country. Um, Even though if we disagree with the guy in the office, we still respect the office. I always use that in terms of, you know, like my dad. My dad wasn't around when I was young. Um, he didn't have the, uh, the type of relationship with me that even some of my friends do. But as I got older, I learned to respect the fact that he helped bring me in this world. Doesn't mean we, doesn't mean we gotta be best friends. Doesn't mean we're gonna go out for lunch dates or go out for dinner. But I'm gonna respect the fact that, you know what? The Bible talks about honoring your mother and father. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give you the respect of that. And I, I'll take a phone call, I'll do whatever. And I think it's the same way with this president. Like that office means something in this country we live. Sure. Um, doesn't mean that we, I gotta like him. Doesn't mean that we gotta be best friends. Doesn't mean that I, I gotta turn the TV on every time he talks. But what it does mean is that, is, is that I think that um, you, you have to respect the office. And I think that if, if he will, um, which I don't know if he will or not, but if, if, if he would um, help the situation, I think it would be a lot better. But I, I, I do think the whole um, decision whether to stand or kneel or stay in the locker room is one of those things that it all goes back to opinion, man. There's no respect of each other's opinion in this country anymore. And certain things that shouldn't offend people offend people. And I always use the steak analogy because pe- and the reason I use that because people look at me like I, got, like I got two heads when I say I like my steak well done. <laughs> But nobody ever goes any further than that. <laughs> They're okay with it. They're accepting it. But. And they move on. Yeah. But we can't just accept the fact that our guy wants to protest a certain way. Yeah. Our guy wants to, uh, you know, peacefully protest a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's just lost. 
you think the league is done? I mean, are they trying to find a, a medium ground here with stay in the locker room, don't come out, that kind of thing? Uh, I think what the what the league has done is, yeah. is, is really simple. You have 32 owners. What? Um, employ Roger Goodell to be the go-between between them and the players. So the NFL and Roger are in a tough situation because when your bosses tell you to do something, you either do it or they're going to find somebody else. Mm -hmm. But in doing that, you're going to get all the scrutiny. Mm -hmm. So it's a situation where the owners have made a decision that if there's too much scrutiny brought to this, and our, our bottom line is going to hurt. It's going to hurt their product, yeah. So how do we stop our business from being hurt? Right. And so they'll come up with any type of policy they want to, whatever, call it the anthem policy. They may change it three or four times. Some sort of compromise, but... See, no, perceptive compromise. Right. Because in the end, they're going to win. And how they're going to win is really simple. You ain't near them. That's how they're going to win. Right. That's how they win. What's up, coach? That's how they're going to win. In the end, they're going to win by you not near them. Well, that's what they thought. Well, now with the latest thing that happened yesterday with the, uh, with the Eagles, and then the president saying, well, even staying in the locker room now is a problem. I don't know if they can win. Yeah. And so... I don't know how this is going to end, but it still goes back to the uh, the ability to respect the opinion. So I told you you'd enjoy Booger McFarland. I love his takes, man. Although I still probably could have pressed him a little bit harder on this point that he likes his steaks uh, well done. <laughs> Which who likes their steaks yeah, well I don't, done? I don't get that. I don't. I mean, you know, you take all the taste <laughs> out of it. I see. I would argue that more than I would the national anthem thing. It'd be like, okay, let's go at it with the steaks now. Now we both like steak, but come on. You know, it's shoe leather. I will say that my dad, when, now they're on the top of the topics of steak, I didn't know that meat was red, that you're supposed to eat it that way. <laughs> Seriously, I had no idea. Until I became an adult. This, I'm not making this up. We, we, we ate steak probably every Sunday for, I don't know, uh, from the age 5 to 18 when I moved out, right, to go to college or whatever. Actually, I was 20 when I moved out because I went two years in, in, in St. Pete. But um, every, whenever he, we would have steak... My dad just he just killed it. You know, like he, it was it was leatherish, right? These these were all, and they were always sirloin. Like I didn't know there was different cuts of meat. I only knew that there were sirloin, right? Didn't know what a T-bone was. Didn't know what a porterhouse was. Didn't surely didn't know what a ribeye was. I just knew that this was a sirloin steak, and and that's what we had. And they were always nice and brown. And we put steak sauce on it and try to tenderize it and whatever. Until I got out of this is sad about my life. We didn't go out to eat much until I got out of the house and realized that, oh wow, there's flavor if you don't cook all the flavor out of the damn steak. Like it actually has a taste to it that's not the A1 sauce that you just put on top of it. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm curious about how Booger McFarlane got to be the well done steak guy. My wife is the same way. Like when she. She grew up in a household where they will take a most beautiful cut of meat, lamb, steak, you name it, and they'll destroy it. They'll burn it beyond any recognition at all. Um, and I, I, I love my in-laws, but uh, sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't eat. I can't. No. no. Like, don't do it that way. You need some nice so, pink. Even a little, yeah, a little, a little bit I mean, of blood's get, fine. Yeah. I See, I like it medium rare, which is kind mm -hmm. of bloody. And, um, and, and But I'm okay if it's a little bit pink. That's okay, too. I work with a guy... I don't know how I got on this topic. We'll wrap this up, I promise. I work with a guy, Bruce Lowett, who for years worked for the AP and worked for us. 
Uh, and I love Bruce. He's, he's a sweet guy. Um, he's since retired. You couldn't even do what Bruce used to do anymore. It's illegal. We would go to a place that would cook hamburger, right? Like you'd say you, you wanted a fresh hamburger, you know, in St. Pete someplace. There was this grill. And you'd order the hamburger. He'd say, well, how do you like your hamburger? He'd say, he'd say, just put it on the grill for a minute and flip it and then give it to me. Like, like bloody. And they'd be like, what? Excuse me? No, no. As rare as you can make it. And nowadays you can't even make it that way. And I would watch him. He, he essentially raw hamburger meat. I never could understand how he could do that, but that's what he did. So I don't understand uh, the people at, that like it Pittsburgh style either, which is like medium rare in the middle, but charred on the outside. I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't I don't like yeah, the char on the outside. I mean, I like some nice lines on the steak, but beyond that, yeah. No. I can handle that a little bit. I mean, I do like it. I do kind of like it black and I mean if you you know, the the bigger steakhouses like they'll they'll they do they cook it at such a high temperature that they will kind of chart but yeah i don't want it i don't want it like completely overdone chart i i do like i do like that kind of crispy just a little no, bit crispy on top i don't i don't like just the like lines, that i don't like the crispy at all no okay yeah i've had them both ways so i'm i'm, I'm malleable but yeah national anthem we we can uh agree to just we can agree probably mostly on that but the the steak thing i i i would defend my my steak thing to death if i had to anyway booger mcfarland we'll have lots more uh, to talk about him uh, throughout the next few weeks, both uh, current topics like USF and the Bucks and Jameis Winston, and then we'll get into his career with some more uh, in-depth interviews um, as we uh, as we go along here. So, anyway, um, coming up, uh, of course, today the Rays uh, begin their series against the Seattle Mariners. This one at Tropicana Field. Ryan Stanek will be the opener this time, although it looks like Austin Pruitt will come in three or six outs later and uh, get the bulk of those innings and. This whole opener thing now they're three and five, but they're sticking with it because now, of course, they're even a little more shorthanded um, with the loss of Chris Archer being on the ten-day disabled list. So, um, you know, this is sort of out of necessity, I suppose. So that's that's the way they're going to go today against the Mariners. And then the OTAs will be at One Buck Place. I'll be there. We'll talk uh, to some players. I'm sure. I'm not sure who's going to be available, but well, I'll have a report. Uh, from the Bucks, and we'll see if uh, maybe the interceptions are going down. I tell you, it's really encouraging to see the defense being as aggressive as they are in some of those young corners making plays. On the other hand, probably want to protect the ball a little bit more on the offensive side. And then it's NHL Game 5. The Stanley Cup's going to be in the building in Las Vegas. The The Caps lead that series three games to one. They could polish it off. I still think it's going to go at least six games. I think Vegas comes back and wins this one, but – Hey, the cup's in the building, man. So it's always a cool big day when they uh, bring the white gloves out and and roll yeah. the crate in. And uh, it's a it's a great Twitter follow if you don't follow the um, I think it's like at Keeper of the Cup or something like that. Um, yeah, that where they they take pictures all year round of taking the cup at different parties and players and and all that. But uh, anytime the cup's in the house, it's a big t- it's a big night. And for there's hockey. actually a guy whose job is to go wherever the cup is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a phenomenal thing. I think there's two there of them. Really I think is. there's two guys that go with it. Is there a couple guys? Yeah. yeah. Pretty phenomenal. But yeah, Ma- it'll be Imagine the, the stories so. they have. Oh, incredible. Somebody's written that uh, story similar. Like, I, I don't think they've done it with like the history of it and where it's been, but like they've taken one team. I think the Lightning, I think we did it when the Lightning, like we Followed it with Brad Richards of the Nova mm-hmm. Scotia or wherever the hell he's from. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, um, guys drinking out of it or, you know, taking it on a boat. Or it's really a cool tradition that the player gets to take the trophy essentially anywhere they want for a day. It's crazy, right? It's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's so unique and different than 
anything else we're Did used any to. Any other sport, trophy, you know, the baseball or football or you know, you don't get to do that. But hockey, it's no. really cool, and your name's on it too. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, phenomenal. Everybody who's ever won its name is on it. They, they have the rings that they then remove, but um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So it'll be in the building. So there, lots going on that we'll talk about. Uh, of course, on uh, tomorrow's show. So anyway, we love the feedback from you guys. Uh, it's been good so far, um, and uh, we hope that you continue to reach us. You can always do that on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And as always, please rate and review. Uh, hopefully review it well um, and give us good marks for this podcast. And really, people ask me all the time, like, where where all can they get the podcast? And there's a lot of places, right, Steve? Anywhere you get podcasts. So whether you use a third-party app on your phone or if you go to iTunes, you can go to Google Play, you can go to Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio. The podcasts are all there. You can like and review it there. Or if you can't find it, go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episodes are right there, too. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we will certainly see you Friday. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud. Have a great day, everybody. 